to, you know, whatever my job, I worked at all these different jobs. I worked at Costco, like right after the divorce. <laughs> like, We love uh, a Costco guy. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was a uh, formative. <laughs> okay. but, uh, Welcome back to another episode of Just Doing Life with your favorite host, Muggin. Uh, hey, everybody. It has been a couple weeks since my last episode. I've been doing a little changing up things up here. Um, I made a new Instagram, guys. I now have three Instagram. Actually, I think I have like five if you include the ones that I made for my little sister when she was a baby. Is that wrong with me? Probably. But I wanted to post cute pictures of babies and pretend it was her. Anyways, that's another point. Um, I now have a new Instagram called Just Doing Life. I'm going to include all of, you know, the new episodes that I've got coming out and I'm going to make more markety, advertise type posts on that account, which I'm super excited about. Am I creative? No. Am I going to try? Yes. But that being said, I still have my What Now Megan Instagram will also send some some updates there, but if you want to stay along up to date with all the great episodes I have for you, go ahead and follow the link in this bio and follow Just Doing Life because I think I have about 16 followers starting from scratch, but that is okay because you know why? Because I have a fantastic episode for you all today and I'm going to keep this nice and short, this little introduction, because this was one of those episodes where I just, I can't cut anything out. There is, there are so many great points to everything that's discussed in this journey. And just a background, I brought on an individual I met through TikTok. You guys know I love my TikTok friends now. His name's Cole. And the video that I found was a video of him sitting in this little creek and he's just stacking rocks. <laughs> and I was like, what on earth? And when I say stacking rocks, I think I even talk about it in the episode. It is so hard to put words to what I'm saying. Like, seeing what he's doing, I it's amazing. You have to go check it out. Again, everything's going to be linked in the bio. But anyways, this guy is stacking rocks. And I, after doing like a little bit of like searching in his profile, I've realized like this is what he does. Like, this is his, this is his hobby. This is maybe his job. I don't know. So I reached out to him and he was so friendly, willing to come on this um, podcast. And, you know, <laughs> I asked a rock stacker to come on and I, I didn't know what to expect. Okay, this was the first time I had reached out to somebody based on something I saw that I just thought was cool. Um, a lot of people I reached out to in their videos, they talk about their career or they talk about like a journey. And so it's very clear that like they've, you know, they've thought about these things and want to market themselves as like a career person. I don't know. But this guy was literally just stacking rocks. And so I brought him on and the stories he shares, guys, it is, it's incredible. Like episodes like this make me so, so happy. I'm not kidding. Like after we had the interview, I had this new rejuvenation for life because I was like, what an incredible story. And I think a couple weeks ago, I mentioned how this is really irrational me. So, you know, classic Megan, but I have this weird fear of not meeting enough people in my life because I am, look, I just love people so much. <laughs> this, this sounds so cheesy, but I really do. And I love hearing people's stories and and everything that they do in their lives and this is the type of stuff that I fear like 
talking to Cole, all of the things he shared, I was like, I want more. Give me more people, 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 you know, <laughs> like I, so all that to be said, I didn't even tell you what we talk about. So here's a little snapshot of snapshot, snap, snip, snapshot. Oh, good God. Okay. Here's a little snapshot of things that we talk about. So first thing right out of the gate, we talked about how something he was interested in, he was interested in, in engineering and his lifestyle, what he's like, his character is and what he wants out of life doesn't really line up with that career goal, which I think is a huge message that we've heard across multiple different people and something that's really important when you're choosing your career path. We talk about how he was a part of the Mormon church and how he left that community, which I've never spoken with somebody with that background before. We talk about mission trips he had to serve while he was in that Mormon community. Um, He's a very young individual. He's 26, and he had a full marriage and divorce in his lifetime. He has been living in a van. He has lived in Hawaii. He has lived all over the place. And what's so interesting about this, not so interesting, because I think this happens in literally every call that I have with people when I'm doing these interviews is I always talk about, you know, things coming back full circle. Everything has a reason, you know, there's a purpose for behind everything. And it is so, so clear how that all falls into place in his story. Um, I don't want to give any more because you really need to listen to it, to get it all and to just love the messages and wisdom he shares. Just a really great episode I have for you here. So I'm so excited for you guys to get into it. I have nothing crazy to share with you. So no short antidotes from me, but that's okay because you'll get plenty of time hearing my beautiful voice during the rest of this interview. So with that, I'm going to pass it off to Cole and get this interview started hop on this call. So really appreciate it. I'm going to give, give you the mic and just share a little bit about yourself. Yeah, of course. It, it's really an honor to, uh, to be on. So I just want to say thank you again, but, um, yeah, I'm from Houston. That's where I grew up. Um, kind of just a normal suburb life. I found rock climbing when I was 17 and that kind of took over. That was kind of like the main hobby for still is, uh, pretty much the main hobby that I do is rock climbing. Um, but I was on a camp out and I grew up like in Boy Scouts and stuff. Um, so I loved like camping and like getting outside in the wilderness. Um, and it was, I think it was 2013. I was on a camp out. I think I was 18 years old and, you know, we didn't have service or anything and um, we were just bored. <laughs> and um, there was a bunch of rocks like at the riverbed, <laughs> like at the campsite. And I just started stacking them, started bouncing them and quickly realized that it was just a really, really fun and addicting hobby for me. And, I realized I was good at it too, but it was so obscure. Yeah, wait, like, t- time it- out. You, when you say good at it, like I'm going to post something for people to see, but I was mind blown looking at, like, I, <laughs> it's just funny to me. I'm sorry to keep laughing, but just like you hear stacking rocks and you're like, yeah. what is she talking about? I will post a picture because some of these things that you have, like, they don't even look like they weigh this. I don't know. It's, it's unbelievable. So I just want to throw that out there. Like good at that. <laughs> you're great at it. <laughs> wow. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. No, it's, it's funny. Like I, like I thought it was so lame. Like I thought it was the lame, the most lame hobby. And like I never, <laughs> but it's fun, you know. Like it was, it was just really enjoyable. But like I came home from that camp out, and I like posted a picture, and I like it, this was you know forever ago. But I said like rock stacking prodigy, um, kind of as a joke, like because it's so lame. Like it's not a like who's aspiring to be a rock stacker? I don't know. Like, <laughs> anyways, it was. Um, thank you though. I, I appreciate that. But yeah, it just kind of it, it went from there, and I think in terms of like how I'm good at it or I don't really know to be honest but I have a little bit of a background in engineering and you know loved Legos as a kid and that was kind of mm-hmm. 
it's just kind of just kind of like Legos, but with rocks. It's kind of what it feels like. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Okay. So let's go, let's just start it off then. Um, I think I sent it in the email, but basically I, I just want to go through, you know, you said child Legos, that was your thing, but not necessarily particular to rocks. Just take me through where you were at, like in those high school days, as far as what you wanted to pursue, you said engineering. So maybe that's where um, those thoughts kind of came in, but start off with high school and then take me up through, if you went to college, what your thoughts were on a career, what kind of passions you had outside of maybe rocks. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I studied engineering in high school, really, really liked it. Like I've, I'm definitely a hands-on learner. And just the aspect of like building things with my hands was super fun. But uh, in high school, like in terms of my career aspiration, truly, I didn't really have much. I uh, quit engineering. I actually totally changed courses in high school. I uh, when I realized like the work life balance and lifestyle of many engineers is essentially behind a computer. Um, mm -hmm. It was hard for me to kind of see that as a future. And so when I found rock climbing, it was like, well, I want to be active and I want to be outside a lot. And it just didn't really seem like I could be doing that while grinding out six years of schooling for engineering. And it just, the lifestyle didn't really seem to match up a ton. Um, and so in high school, it really, after I found climbing, a lot of my time was just spent daydreaming about traveling and climbing and surfing. You know, that was kind of like, those are my main things. I also started mm -hmm. surfing that same year. And so it was like the, the birth of like these two sports that were just really encompassing surfing and climbing. And, having no clue how I'm going to like do this more in my life, having no, no clue as to how I'm going to be able to like surf and climb more and not really even having a plan, but just knowing that I really liked it. That's mm -hmm. pretty much it. Okay. Very cool. So then in high school, you, you had those realizations. What did you do after um, you graduated? So I graduated high school and this was in the suburbs, you know, and for whatever reason, I just have this desire to be out in the mountains you know we're in houston and it was like th there's no mountains not even close to houston mm -hmm. um so the next i graduated the next day 6 a.m i packed all my things in a van and i left home and i moved away you're kidding um, wait okay <laughs> yeah, pause two questions there um one mountains what made you want to pursue mountains I'd, like or be in the mountains did you go on trips before or um was that just like something that you never got to experience so you wanted to go off for it yeah, I think because I didn't have it as much, I really just like would daydream and fantasize about it as a kid. And we did go on a couple trips when I was young. I went to mm -hmm. Zion National Park when I was 10 years old. Mm -hmm. and, and that completely like transformed, I think, a lot of like what I, you know, wanted to do. And I was yeah. just enthralled, you know, just so like, it was just pulling me the mountains, you know, get, adventuring mm -hmm. and just, yeah. So it was really from doing a couple trips as a kid, but then not really having it uh, throughout most of my childhood. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm just curious if, you know, if that's been like something that was absent from your life in the past, how you kind of got into that. Um, but you said, so you packed up the day after, um, family, were they like freaking out or you freaking out? Was this like a game plan from the moment you set your sights on rocks and you're like, I, I know I want to be out in the wilderness. Like how did that go down? Yeah, no, it was 100% a game plan. It was really hard for me to finish high school, actually, just because I wanted to leave so bad. I wanted to, really? to get out. Yeah, it was just mm -hmm. like, you know, that last semester of high school, you're you're just ready. You got that senioritis or whatever, you know, and you're mm -hmm. ready to get out. And uh, I was really counting down the days. I, I would have left sooner. I was almost not even going to walk. I was, like, debating even walking. But, so you know, family and friends were encouraging me to walk and stuff. And so mm -hmm. decided to walk. And, yeah, literally I walked, you know, 2 p.m. Sunday 
and then Monday morning, 6 a.m., I, I hit the road. <laughs> oh, my. Okay. Okay, so where, yeah. where were you off to? So I went to New Mexico, and I lived in northern New Mexico for that summer. And I worked at a scout camp, actually, <laughs> called Philmont. Um, at a, it was like a backpacking uh, ranch, essentially, for scouts to go and, and go on a backpacking trek, go mountain, or, yeah, mountain trekking. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I worked there the whole summer, and I got so much of my fill-in for exploring and hiking, camping mm-hmm. and climbing and all that stuff. Very cool. Okay. So did you have a connection there or did you just show up in New Mexico? Like, did you go with that as your destination in mind or did you set up shop and then say, I need to find a job? Yeah. So when I was 17, so junior year, a friend of mine invited me to go backpacking at this very camp that I eventually got a job at. And so we went backpacking. It was a week long. It was a 50 mile trek and had so much fun. After the trek, I was like, I want to work here. And then so I applied and then got the job. Okay, very cool. So you were there for just that summer period then? And then you were off somewhere new? Or... Mm-hmm. I, w- I did just the summer in New Mexico. <clears throat> and then I studied um, in Hawaii. I moved to Hawaii and did a year of college um, at Brigham Young University, Hawaii. Wow. Okay, so you were considering not finishing high school. Yeah. And then you decided, actually, I'm going to go do a year of college in Hawaii. Yeah. Okay. Was there some like transformative experience over the summertime or was that also in the game plan? No. So like I totally applied to colleges just like per like expectation of family Mm -hmm. and friends, maybe not friends, you know, just like that's the thing to do. Yeah. Um, Societal pressures. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So I applied to a few colleges and I got accepted to this one college in Hawaii and I was like, well, that's pretty (laughs) cool. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I might as well go, but I, I ended up dropping out. I I've never finished college, which proudly, you know, it, mm-hmm. I've, I, it took me a long time to discover that it wasn't the route for me. She studied at three different universities, trying this college route so many times only to realize that it's, it's not the path for me. Interesting. Okay. So what were you studying when you were in Hawaii? I studied so much, you know, between Hawaii and like the other colleges I also studied in Utah, but, um, predominantly the, well, there's a, a career or not a career uh, a major called peace building it's actually called intercultural peace building and uh, that was super cool to me um anthropology geology were also really big interests but i mean a lot of general studies but some things that i really enjoyed was yeah anthropology geology and uh, peace building interesting so they were just like gen eds that you were trying to get a feel for them exactly yeah okay okay so then you're in hawaii for that year you stay you stayed there the whole year for that full first year yeah. of school yeah, essentially, I did two semesters, you know, went home for the holidays and then went back. Uh, okay. and did, yeah. So then yeah. what made you at the end of that year decide, I don't want to be going back? Well, this is, um. so I grew up Mormon at, in terms of what's expected as a Mormon, and I'm no longer really Mormon, but I served a mission for the Mormon church. And so that's kind of where I broke away from doing a year of study and then went on the, the mission trip for the Mormon church. Interesting. Okay, wait, can we dive a little bit more into that? I don't know anything about like Mormon life other than what I've seen on TV. So I don't mean to be offensive at all if if I say anything. So honestly, can you just give me a rundown or else I'm going to sound like an idiot here? (laughs) No, 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 not at all. Like you're totally good. And it should be said, like, although I don't really practice Mormonism these days, 100% like a respect, you know, many of my friends and family are still Mm -hmm. active Mormons. And like, I in no way am I, you know, casting any sort of uh, ill ill feelings towards them or, you know, plenty of people that I know, even the organization as a whole, mm-hmm. it really is a very good organization. Yeah. Um, 
I definitely yeah, think that social or not social media, well, social media too, but just like everything you see, I feel like there's such a stigma against it. So yeah. this is great that we have like this open conversation about it because for I sure. think it's important for people to hear. Yeah, I'm an open book. I really, you know, I'll, I'll be open all day. But like for me, it, it was, it became a very, a very negative experience. It's mm-hmm. something that I really had to step away from for my own kind of mental well-being. But the pressure, the cultural pressure is so, so, so strong. Like the expectation to serve a mission, especially as a man, really, really present. You you are expected to, it's kind of like if you don't serve a mission, you you probably won't make it to heaven, kind of <laughs> like essentially the uh, the expectation. So um, yeah, so, and you serve a two-year mission. Um, I went out and I served for one year. I got called, you know, randomly, like you don't choose where you go. You submit an application to serve a mission and then they tell you, they essentially assign you to an area. I ended up going to Uganda, which borders Kenya, which is like crazy. I was there for a year before I chose to kind of voluntarily come home early, so to speak, you know, and it was like, it, it just wasn't really working out for me. So I came home and, and really it was on my mission where I started to kind of question some things and really take a step back from the organization, I guess. Okay. And sorry, just timeline wise, that was after that first year in Hawaii, you went and you served your mission for however long. Correct. Yep. Okay. Okay. Very interesting. Well, it sounds like it was the best decision for you. Um, I am curious. You seem like a very free spirited guy. You know, you you want to be out there doing your own thing. Did you find any of your, or do you still find any of your family or friends like having that same sort of personality um, or like character as you? Or uh, just curious how if they're able to balance that lifestyle within the Mormon community. Hmm. Wow. What a question. I would say it's very hard. It's mm-hmm. very, very hard to balance. I, I know most of my close friends and acquaintances have also taken a step or left uh, the church. So yeah, it, it's very hard to find ba- a balance, though I will say that. And most people that struggle to find a balance end up leaving the church and taking a little bit, uh, taking a sense of gratification and having a little bit more freedom and just the ability to kind of just be themselves uh, without really the pressure from the culture of the church. Um, I think this applies to a lot of people that listen to this podcast, you know, they're trying, they like want to step away from something that is surrounding them, like their parents pressure or societal pressures in general, telling them to behave or act one certain way. Um, and they're just like scared of losing that sense of community that they're in, mm-hmm. whether it's within their career choice or, you know, their school, like their education. Um, did you in deciding to step away from that community, did you at all, um, con- like, were you concerned about losing that big part of your life or the people around you that would maybe stay in that uh, community? Mm. Let me think. That's a great question. Um, I'm just trying to reflect back on the time, that time period of my life. Yeah, I'm sorry. I I don't mean this to be like a therapeutic session. No, 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 not at all. Very, very curious. (laughs) No, no, I I really respect this conversation. I really do. Uh, I hope you know, and it's great for me to talk about, but okay. I will say, uh, definitely, definitely it was hard to step away. I mean, there, you know, there's so much pressure um, kind of set up and I'm sure, yeah, as you, as you said, like many people could probably relate, not necessarily to Mormonism, but, you know, to other maybe uh, systems, but yeah, it was really hard to step away. Um, But I guess to kind of relate it back to kind of where I'm at right now, I think one thing that I've really realized is like, you might really be alone in your vision. And so like you might have a vision of like what you want and what you want to do and what you, where you want to go, whatever that vision is, you really need to accept the fact that you very well might be alone in that vision. And you need to kind of give up on trying to convince other people of your vision. Uh, and, and for a lot of like years, I wasted trying to convince people of I mean, my ideas were good ideas or, you know, 
I would just kind of share my ideas and then get shot down uh, mm-hmm. from, you know, countless people. And so to kind of like connect that, I would say it is hard. It's lonely. And uh, yeah, you kind of have to, you have to be willing to trailblaze. I think is it kind of like how it felt is like mm-hmm. kind of carving your own path. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's certainly not easy, but at the same time, there is such a powerful community and really it was a, a really it was a better time. I mean, I can't imagine leaving the church even back in the day, but uh, now, you know, like in today's day and age, there's such a strong community, especially with technology and being able to connect with people, finding like-minded individuals. It's really so easy to do mm-hmm. no matter what your niche is. You can really connect with anyone about anything through like social media. So yeah, that's, that's a great point. Powerful. Yeah, absolutely. You can find just about anybody with the same interests as you nowadays. Um, whether it's social media or just like other groups online that there are like all the Reddit threads that people find friendships through. I've interviewed exactly. some people from uh from Reddit chain. So no, I think yeah. that that's um that's a great message you've got there. Um okay, sorry, we've we've gone in circles. So take me back. You've completed that that mission trip. Now where are we at? Wow. So, um, well, and let me just say I'm 26. And so at this point I am, uh, after the mission, I'm 21 and like, we're just getting started. Like my life is kind of all over the place. And this so, is great. I love it. I love it. These are, these are the kind of stories I love. So please take me along. <laughs> so I got home from the mission. What, you know, what's super, super expected of you as a missionary or as a Mormon is like, you go, you serve a mission and then you like, you get married, you get married and you, have kids and start a family. And so I left my mission and my mission president or like the leader of my uh, area, he, he essentially said, you know, like, well, it's time for you to get married, you know? And I actually had a girl that I was, um, I had been talking to and kind of like wanting to marry. So I come home from a mission and we a hundred percent like eloped. We pulled the trigger and got married. Um, okay. which ultimately ended in divorce. We were married for two years and then ended in divorce. And so then I was 23 uh when we divorced and so like that's a whole nother like mm-hmm. layer of, wait i'm like, sorry so you said did you step away from the mormon community during that marriage or before or was it after yeah it was all so like right before the marriage so on my mission i started to really question things you know i started okay. to really look at this and think like uh, is this really what i want but i'm like processing you know it's a really like personal journey and so i'm mm-hmm. like processing all this stuff keeping a lot of it inside not really telling or sharing anything with anyone but i'm just like deep down you know kind of feeling these things I get married and then through the marriage that was kind of like solidified like yeah I really want to step away from the church and then that was like definitely not aligned with like her perspective you know so she um yeah so like we were not uh necessarily like we don't have like in like uh, Mm -hmm. our values lined up from yeah from my experiences I guess um so yeah it was like a really long process of really keeping a lot of things a lot of things personal and kind of inside and having this whole journey and then it all kind of like uh ended i guess yeah with a divorce essentially and uh, and really though the divorce marked the beginning of the life and the journey that i'm on now and like it's kind of crazy to look back and think about where life has taken me since then but uh it's been ever since the divorce uh, every it seems like every three months i tell myself I can't believe I'm this happy. I can't believe I'm like doing all these cool things. And so God, you sound like a know. 50 year old man and you're 26. <laughs> it's, it's really kind of crazy, honestly. In some ways I feel like that. And in some ways I feel like I'm 18. So <laughs> yeah, that, that's relatable actually. <laughs> okay. So divorce happens. 
where are you at now? It's like both <clears throat> mentally, like physically located, all of that. So I am in Southern Utah. Um, and like, you know, mentally, emotionally, I'm like at a low point, obviously I'm at probably an all time low and it actually marked the beginning of probably some of the most intense struggle, uh, like, like, or yeah, the most intense trial periods of my life that I have ever faced, uh, was right after the divorce, you know, tons and tons of trauma, uh, that had to be assessed and a lot of healing that had to be done not only from the divorce, from the marriage, but also even before that, you know, like my personal wounds that I think I had and like brought into the marriage. Um, so we're talking like, I had like how I felt was like, I have such a huge amount of work to do personal work, you know, and that's how I felt just for years. I just felt like I have so much, and, but I worked at it, you know, and I really did for consistently uh, to where I feel like now only within the, like the last six months, really can I, I feel like I can say that I've like fully healed, but, um, and so healing is a really long journey, but, um, yeah, I, it, it felt like this. It felt like I got dropped off in a city. I had no idea where I was. I had no, you know, I've never been to the city before and I didn't know who I was either, you know? And so I'm like, I'm, I'm this avatar, I'm this person. I have no idea where to go, what to do, who I am. And I really didn't know who I was at the end of the marriage. And so it was like this beginning of this process of self-discovery and, you know, rediscovering who I am. And it was just such a beautiful time to, to rediscover that about, you know, the question of like, who am I? That's huge, you know, and that's something that it will take a lifetime to really answer. Um, but it was so, I was so desperate because I really had nothing to, to say to myself as to who I was. I like, I had no, I had nothing to base it off of. I felt, I felt like I had completely failed by like my religion, all the expectations that were set ahead of me. And then walking away from that, you know, it's like, now, now what? And like, who am I? What do I do? Like those questions were really, really present on my mind and my heart for probably a year, maybe two years. So. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I appreciate you talking through that so much because I think, first of all, that's like hard to artic art articulate those types of feelings. And I do think a lot of people go through those, you know, the post-college, you leave that sort of environment and all of a sudden you're like learning a whole, who you are as a person. There's people who go up through, I mean, obviously with the divorce, but like people go through 10 years of seeing one person and then break up after, you know, they've ended those college years or when they're finally like starting adult life. And it's very challenging to find who you are as an individual again. And for you to be able to articulate those feelings so clearly, I think it's going to be so powerful to others who can feel that they're not alone when that happens. And, and mm. obviously you're, I mean, we haven't even heard how you're killing it right now, but <laughs> you've gotten through it. So there's, there's light at the end of the tunnel. hundred percent, hundred percent. Like you, you really do have to, like, you have to go through it to get to it is something mm. that I've heard. I think, I think that resonates is true for me. Um, you got to be willing to, well, not even just willing. Yeah. I think, I guess it's like, this is something I've been thinking about since you emailed me, but it's like your, your willingness to suffer and to accept suffering. Uh, I think it's something that's been really a part of my journey and a part of my mind is, uh, you know, the, the pains, the, the trauma, the, whatever it may be, whatever your afflictions are in life, it could be a sickness or yeah, whatever your ailments are, like your willingness to walk through that pain and accept it and learn from it, I think is really, really crucial. Yeah. I love that. So we've gone through all this healing. Where are we at now? Are we still like, I know you said you feel like you're fully healed at this point, but when you were going through the healing process, what were you doing on the day to day? Was it like, for lack of a better word, like 
moping around? Were you like trying to do life normally? Like what was your mindset there? Yeah. So I was so depressed for so long, you know, I would just veg out all day, every day for days, weeks, maybe even months where I'm just like, literally, you know, I'd work, I go to, you know, whatever my job, I worked at all these different jobs. I worked at Costco, like right after the divorce. <laughs> like, we love uh, a Costco guy. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was a uh, formative, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I loved Costco. I'll be honest, but so, you know, aside from work, I would just veg out as I was so exhausted. Um, from really, you know, dealing with uh, the marriage and the divorce and everything. But um, so the process was like this, though. It was a very slow process of rediscovering who I was. And I had completely lost touch of who I was. Luckily, I mean, I don't know if it's luck or what, if it's, you know, blessings or whatever it is. But I, I think I was just very fortunate to meet people that really helped me rediscover who I was. And these were, you know, some of them were girls that I dated or friends that I had met and, you know, connections or, or jobs that I had gotten. Um, but I slowly, you know, I rediscovered myself. I rediscovered mm -hmm. who I was. Um, and I think actually, so the journey started in healing really when it was just like a decision to follow my intuition and to follow my gut. And so let's rewind back to Cole, who he just graduated high school. He loaded up in his van and he left and he went to New Mexico you know, van life, climbing, that was such a big part of who I was. And so after the divorce, you know, I hadn't climbed in years. I had, you know, I had been wanting to do van life uh, for so long. I hadn't been doing it. So I thought, well, now's the time. And so I decided to, you know, pursue it. And so I acquired a van, I built it out. And then the craziest thing happened. Um, and I feel like this is just because I chose to follow my intuition. Um, so I, I built the van out. Uh, you know, just myself, because I, I like to do woodwork and stuff. Well, a mutual friend said, hey, I know a guy who builds vans in Austin, Texas, you guys should meet up. So I did, I reached out to him and said, hey, I'm looking for work, you know, can I come work for you? He was like, okay. So I showed up, I volunteered for a week, I worked like maybe 40 or 50 hours for free, just to kind of like show, you know, my capabilities. He ended up hiring me on that ended up being turned into a tv show which is called van gogh which is on discovery plus i'm in the what? first episode <laughs> yeah. no way oh very yeah. cool okay yeah so van gogh i'm in the first episode and like it, it was just crazy like life just kind of like built off of that and yeah so it was insane Wait, that's amazing okay so so it was a mutual connection that made this happen so then did he help you build out yours your van or was your van already like fully loaded at that point yeah, my van was kind of already fully, well, no, he, yeah, I kind of did. I mean, I learned how to build vans on a really like professional level, you mm -hmm. know, it was a TV show and it was like, it was so exciting. I learned how to build really nice vans too. Uh, I learned that I really enjoy building vans for other people, you know, and so. Wait, how long were you doing this for? So I did that for a summer. That was 2020, summer okay. 2020. I was building okay. vans for uh, Chewy is the company. Um and then things kind of fizzled out with the show and with the company, sadly. Like, I think it was just kind of a mismatch. Like, we were just weren't really a super good fit in the long run. Just a no big deal. So, and then again, you know, I used to, I studied in Hawaii uh, before the marriage, you know. And so I'm now I'm like trying to rediscover who I am. And I get this super strong sense. You know, I'm kind of an intuition guy. And I get this just overbearing feeling in my gut, you know, pulsing through my body to go back to Hawaii. And it's like, go back to Hawaii. You know, like, what are you doing? Like, you have all this negativity and doubt in your mind. But. I decided to go through with it. So I shipped the van out to Hawaii and in 20, at the end of 2020, I moved back to Hawaii with my van. 
Amazing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm combining all of these things. You know, I'm like, I'm rediscovering myself. I'm picking up all of these broken pieces to the puzzle. I'm putting them back together. I'm rediscovering who I am. And I'm leaving nothing. Like I'm combining everything, climbing, surfing, van life, everything that I had kind of abandoned and neglected for really the duration of my marriage. I'm choosing to really honor and live fully. And so moved back to Hawaii. I lived in Hawaii for a year and a half. Um, and I really luckily got, got the chance to build out another van for a guy, which was super cool. I did like my own conversion on his van and it was just like this awesome experience. So cool. Okay. That's amazing. Wait, so I, I have so many questions now, but <laughs> first of all, how are you like affording life at this point? <laughs> Cause it sounds like you're like hopping around a bunch. Um, yeah. and like my mind is just thinking logistically, <laughs> how is this happening? Yes. For sure. So, um, yeah, like my parents definitely supported me like in a few crucial ways. So like when I wanted to ship the van out to Hawaii, they like they definitely helped with that. You know, they helped mm-hmm. with like a few things here and there. And they're like they wanted to pay for my college, you know, and so uh, which was really hard for me to make the decision to not go to college because it was like, well, my parents are going to pay for it. You know, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I mean, that is 100 percent. I will admit there's like privilege there for me, you know, um, to have that. There's a lot of people that don't have that opportunity. Um, but in terms of where I'm at right now, I mean, it's kind of crazy because I am living in my van and I'm selling prints of like rock stacks. And like, that's how I'm making money. <laughs> really? That is so. Yeah. So the rocking thing wasn't just like a hobby. That is literally your career right now. Yeah, right now it is. That's amazing. Oh yeah. my god. Okay. Well, there's yeah. even like now I really have to promote your your rock stacking video so I can send people your way. But that's so cool. So take me through that portion then. Did like did a TikTok just blow up and you got a lot of traction? People were like, I want to buy these rock pictures, or were were you doing this all along? Like what happened there? Yeah. So like rock stacking is definitely another piece of the puzzle that I had like neglected that I picked back up after the marriage and it was just a hobby and that's all Mm -hmm. it was it was just for fun and uh and I've also just worked all these odd jobs too to kind of answer your question of how yeah I would say quick question I'm sorry to keep interrupting but I do want to know you mentioned odd jobs before can you like quickly just give me like you said Costco you said yeah I was building out vans you were yeah, build out vans and like there's pretty decent money there. And then like I was a zipline tour guide in, on Oahu and like there's super good money as a tour guide there, you know, tips and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what else? Um, I worked at Anasazi Foundation, which is a wilderness therapy program for youth. It's, it's like the highest paying wilderness therapy program. And so I, that definitely was key as well. Mm-hmm. Um, let me think. Yeah, Anasazi, zipline, um, the van. What else? Those are the three, like I cycled between those three for quite a bit uh, okay. over the course of a couple of years. Oh, and then I also worked at a food truck in Hawaii. Um, okay, that's through. great. That's what I was expecting. <laughs> I was like waiting for something like that. That was like just really out there, but okay, very cool. So Hawaii rocks and. Oh, and you know what? Okay. And one of the biggest things that actually really, really helped me, the biggest source of income that I had through all of this was renting my van in Hawaii by far. Interesting. Like airbnb so, it type? Yeah, exactly. So I shipped my van out like with the help and support of my family. And then I started renting it out like a lot of people were encouraging me. And then I ended up making $3,000 in one month. And was just, just for- like, I can wait from renting it. Where'd you live then? I had a house. I actually didn't even live in the van. Like I had an apartment in Hawaii. Oh, I was assuming that you were living in the van this whole time. No, no, no. That's a safe assumption. But yeah, I 
I shipped the van out and it was just like my daily driver. It was like a weekend camper. Like mm-hmm. it, it, it's not like a full on camper. And so like I would rent it out and bike around to work. And, you know, I, I rented it out for the entire month of May and ended up making like $3,000. And so Very renting cool. out the van was super crucial. And then I ended up selling that van for a really decent amount because I had built it out. And I think mm-hmm. the value was retained because I had put all this work into building it. You know what I mean? And so I ended up selling the van for quite a decent amount of money as well in Hawaii. And I've been able to live off that for a little bit. Okay. Very cool. Sorry. I did not mean to throw in a change, but like, I know that, well, if I, my listeners are anything like me, like my mind just kept getting stuck on odd jobs. And I was like, tell me, tell me, I want to know. <laughs> yeah. um, no, you're totally good. I'm sure there's more I can't even think of. But yeah. Like, yeah. Those are the big ones. Okay. Very cool. So now we're back on the rocks. Keep giving me more right. information on the the rock pictures. <laughs> yeah. So it's just a hobby. It's just for fun. You know what I mean? Um, I, I ended up, I decided to move away from Hawaii just in search of more opportunity. Um, and I moved away in August this year. And so I sold the van. I moved away. I ended up staying with my sister in Seattle. She has a home like on the outskirts of town and she has this Creek on her property. It's this gorgeous like forest, uh, with all these rocks. (laughs) And so I, you know, I love stacking. And so I go out and I'm staying with her and I go out and stack some rocks. I decided just to take some pictures and post it to my Instagram. I ended up getting a lot of really positive feedback from people encouraging me to like, you know, document it and and share more. And that's really how it started. And so I just started taking more pictures and people ate it up. People were loving it. And I was just like, I was surprised. and I was having so much fun. I was stacking rocks all day, every day. I, I like, can't off. give a straight face for this because this is just so crazy to me. Like <laughs> you turned something so simple as stacking rocks into a money making thing. Like that's unbelievable. It's crazy, honestly. And and I really, I, like, I have so many like video journals I've taken over the last month of me just like in disbelief of like, I can't believe this is happening. Like mm-hmm. it's just so crazy. <laughs> but yeah, I would have never guessed it. I would have never guessed it in a million, hundred thousand years. Um, but it, it works out so perfectly. Um, but yeah, so I ended up just sharing it and it really just grew from there. I ended up posting TikToks uh, and then while I was staying with her, I made one TikTok and it, it got 600,000 views and it was like, this is kind of crazy. Like I was definitely kind of mind blown and I had enjoyed making videos and posting to TikTok, but like my content was weak. I mean, it wasn't, you know, I was just like kind of doing random weird stuff. I wasn't really putting a lot of energy into it. I was just kind of like posting random videos of me climbing essentially and Mm -hmm. not really ever gaining any traction but i i definitely though have longed for and like kind of dreamed of like having some platform like tiktok or instagram or youtube you know Uh, it is something that i've wanted and so i just never really thought it would be stacking rocks (laughs) yeah so so you when you gained all the traction and you decided to like start selling did you just throw it up on an Etsy or did you like make another website specifically for this? What did that look like? Yeah. So I was just posting on Instagram and I posted that I'm go- I decided I'm going to make a website and I'm going to start selling prints. And then like a lot of people had liked it. It was just on my story, you know, and like people, you can like, like stories, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I just posted on my story. I'm going to be selling some prints. Um, I'm going to be making a website soon. Thank you guys. You know, cause people would message me saying they love the stacks and everything. And that was it. And then, uh, you know, kept doing my thing, posting pictures of rock sacks. And then I ended up posting the website and, you know, friends and followers, like they ended up buying some, some prints and it was like, wow, this is super cool. Like I just would have never guessed, you know, and uh, everywhere from family to friends to strangers have, have bought a print and been able, I've been able to support this lifestyle because of it. That's amazing. 
I, I, I'm just like, I'm, I'm amazed that something happened so like seamlessly there because I think you hear these stories of like turn your hobby or your passion into your career or like whatever. But the fact that it happened without you really giving it an active thought or like actually trying to make that happen Mm. or someone who's listening who maybe has like a passion that they'd want to pursue having gone through this like weird phenomena of like it's just kind of taking off do you have any recommendations for someone who has like a hobby or a passion that they'd actively want to try to make money off of yeah a hundred percent well so like I think though because like I didn't have like the goal to make money off of it like it made it so authentic and so real and it wasn't like oh, I'm trying to like get sales from the very beginning. It was like, I'm just sharing what I've already been doing for free um, mm-hmm. with people. And I'm sharing it on Instagram and TikTok and I'm realizing people like this. Um, but, uh, and so I guess to answer your question, I think what's really crucial is really just to share. Like you got to share, share, share. Like put yourself out there, share pictures, videos, ideas, talk, you know, open your mouth. Like the van build that I did in Hawaii, like I, that happened because of this. Let me tell you this. So I was, I moved to Hawaii the first week I got there. I met this dude at the food truck that I worked at the yogurt. It was a food, <laughs> uh, yogurt food truck. <laughs> uh-huh. yogurt. And I told him that I like to build vans. It was like, okay, cool. And I showed him a, you know, a couple of pictures and it was like, sweet. One year later, he reaches out. He says, Hey, I got a guy who uh, wants a van build. Are you available? You know? No and so way. it was like that. Yeah. So like that. Oh, and then also, oh, that's a huge source of income too. Like the dude paid me like pretty decent money to build mm-hmm. his van. So like that was a, yeah, that was another like major source of income. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like opening my mouth was so crucial, but like I had, I wasn't like, I've tried to get clients aside from that and only failed. Like I've never, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's so weird. Yeah. Like you really have to be unattached to the outcome. You have to really be unexpecting of any sort of end result and you have to be in it for the long haul. Like I'm going to be stacking rocks my whole life, regardless <laughs> of if I'm making money on it or, or not, you know? Yeah. Uh, just because I enjoy it and it's so fun and I'm not doing it for anyone, but, but myself really. I um, love that. The unattached from the outcome. I feel like that's such a good message right there because you hear, you know, the people who ask if money wasn't an issue or money wasn't a concern, what would you be doing? And mm-hmm. that's kind of like that mentality of, you know, you're not attached to what it's going to look like in the future. You're just doing it because you love it in the moment now. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's amazing. Oh, this is so cool. I'm so happy that I stumbled upon your little, your little video and that there's so much more to it than just stacking rocks. Um, Now I, I'm just like genuinely curious. How does the physicality of like stacking rocks happen? Because like I said, I've seen some where it's like, you've got one rock on like this far end and somehow yeah. how, like, how does that happen? Oh, I love this. So um, every rock balances with, so everything balances with three points of contact. Like you imagine like a tripod, like a triangle is the most stable shape. Um, Mm -hmm. And so in every rock balance, there might be a very, very small surface area, maybe even millimeters wide. Uh, But in that amount, there is three points of contact. And so, yeah, that might be millimeters apart, but there's essentially a triangle, three points of contact. Uh, that's keeping it stable and so i place one rock and establish one point of contact which is easy you just set the rock on top of it and then you start swiveling it turning it twisting it you know trying all these different angles looking for all these different uh little ripples and imperfections in the rock to kind of like puzzle piece together and then you find two points of contact and then it's really exciting because once you get two points you're you're really almost there you're going to get the third point probably mm-hmm. um and so yeah, there's a lot of different types of stacks as well. You can just do like completely 
vertical stacks uh and i love doing like stacking rocks that sh they don't look like they should be balancing you know but like they're standing on its end or something mm -hmm. um but then there's also counterbalances and so i think that's kind of what you reference is like the one where it, it's like that and then it's it, like <laughs> yeah. exactly yeah and so you have essentially you have like a really heavy rock on top to yeah as a counterbalance to to keep it all in line but it is so fun and fascinating to I'm gonna I'm gonna keep drilling you with some really random questions right now because Please, like specifically on the rock balancing because my mind is just running right now so next question what is the longest amount of time it's taken you give me the longest amount of time and then the average amount of time that it's taken you to do some of these like very intricate balanced pictures yeah, I would say the longest one, which um, is the viral video going on right now, uh, was probably two hours of like a total effort, but, oh. but like with breaks in there too. So mm -hmm. maybe like closer to like an hour and a half of like consistent focus. Okay. Do you ever get pissed and like just like launch a rock because you, you're sick of it? I never have, honestly. I've never <laughs> That's won. It's impressive. Okay. So, uh, so uh, you actually like be very, very patient, I'm assuming. Yeah. You know, I think patience is, is definitely important. I think more so than patience actually is persistent curiosity uh you know and like your approach to failure i think that's way more important mm -hmm. uh like when because failure like the rock crumbles it happens to me all the time you know like it doesn't you know it falls over you have to be able to see it through uh you have to it, it's almost like I, i'm thinking like okay what can i learn from this you know i'm like i'm thinking okay what is it teaching me how, how can i be a better stacker obviously it didn't balance because i'm not that good of a stacker so i need to be <laughs> a better stacker uh-huh <laughs> if, if that makes sense I don't, yeah know. yeah absolutely um what is the highest height of stacks that you've ever done um i've i've definitely done one like probably six feet tall uh wow. at my parents house they have a creek on their property as well okay um have you ever met a fellow rock stacker i haven't in person well no no no. i take that back i have i connected with one person in hawaii and she was it was a super big hobby and i was like blown away i was like oh my gosh this is so cool so like other people do so, so other people do this too well yeah well no this is the cool thing so since tiktok like i have three million views on this one right now mm -hmm. and like and i've been posting the reels and getting a lot of views there i've been connected like all over the world of like these rock stackers like people in india have messaged me this one account of this like famous guy in india who's a rock stacker like we've con we've made contact Another this guy in Iran. He's like really well known in Iran for being for stacking rocks. We've made oh. contact. We're like we've messaged on Instagram, like literally all over the world. It's crazy. Like this <laughs> rock stackers is insane. That is amazing. I like. You need to make a shirt that's just like professional rock stacker. I think. I think like yeah. like the fact that this is like a thing, like an actual thing. Oh my god. Um, yeah. amazing. Like I can't thank you enough for this call this has been fantastic is there anything else you want to leave the listeners with before i let you go yeah i, mean, I think like really one of the most important aspects uh in in my journey is you have to believe that you also deserve it like any of the success like everybody defines success differently like you know i'm living in a van like i don't have a toilet but, like most people don't think that's successful but like to me it is because i have all this free time um but like yeah, you just have to, you have to believe that you deserve what you want deep down. I think that's, that was a limiting belief for me for a long time. Cause like, for some reason I didn't believe like what I wanted was really possible, um, or really attainable, but like it 100,000% is like, whatever you believe is possible is possible. And yeah, I guess that's probably one, one thing that I'd like to share. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much. Um, do you want to go ahead and give your socials where people can find you? I'll also link it in the bottom of this episode, but feel free to share away right now. 
Yeah, thank you. Um, so first would be my website to check out my art or my prints, which would be colestacks.com, C-O-L-E stacks.com. Uh, and there you can read about me and kind of look, take a look at my gallery, which I do update uh, pretty, pretty frequently. Uh, I travel around to national parks or, you know, areas outside of national parks and stack rocks and take pictures and sell prints. Um, so coal stacks um, and then on Instagram, I'm coal stacks rocks. And then on TikTok, I'm just Cole Stacks. So awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Cole Stacks. And again, this has been fantastic. Probably one of my favorite episodes. So really appreciate it. And look forward to seeing more of your posts. Well, thank you so much, Megan. Honestly, I can't, yeah, I'm so grateful for this opportunity as well. And I've really enjoyed this. All right, everybody. So as I said at the beginning, this was just such an amazing story that Cole shared with us. His life and trajectory just went so many different ways. And I'm just amazed by everything he had to share. Like thinking about his timeline on a year to year basis, it's just like he's lived several lives in the span of five years, which I just think is incredible. But two things that I want to bring up here in the end, just give my final my final thoughts. Um, one was something he mentioned when he was kind of breaking away from his community and trying to start off on his own again. He said, you might be alone in your vision. You need to give up on trying to convince other people of your vision. And I think this is so, so powerful because, you know, it's really tough trying to pursue something or love something or be interested in something when the people around you aren't going hoorah-rah behind you. And it's much easier said than done to just say, I don't give a flying fadoodle what people think, right? And we've talked about this on, I think I have an episode called Screw Joe Schmo about, you know, you shouldn't care what people think. It is so easy to say that, but especially when it's people who are supposed to be in your circle, they are supposed to be the ones lifting you up and supporting you you know, through thick and thin. And if they don't understand what your goals are, they're not going to, they're not going to be supporting you hundred percent. And it's going to be really, really tough to, to stay true to what you value and what you believe in without that support. And it's so interesting to me because we, we all hear these stories of, these uber successful people who got denied at the beginning of their journey. For instance, I was just watching a video. I, I love Shark Tank, big Shark Tank fan, probably because it has a lot to do with money and I love my money. But Mark Cuban was just roasting, not even roasting is the wrong word, just going off on the Scrub Daddy guy. Everyone knows Scrub Daddy. It's those little sponges with a little smiley face and you're supposed to stick your forks in there and go, you know, scrub it, scrub it like a daddy. And... He was just saying, this isn't going to work. This isn't going to work. This isn't going to work. There's no way. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to support you in this endeavor. You're, you're not so to the scrub daddy guy. And now scrub daddy is everywhere. Like I've got several scrub daddies in this house, scrub daddies in under every sink. And you see him all over the place. This, this guy is uber successful now. So he didn't have, you know, the support that he wanted right off the get go. People, as Cole would say, people didn't see in his vision yet. He kept, he kept persisting. You've got Michael Jordan, Hall of Famer basketball player, 
do I like basketball? No. Do I know much about basketball? No. But do I know Michael Jordan's name? Yes. Do I know that Michael Jordan got rejected or cut from his high school basketball team? Yes. But he kept going. Again, people didn't see his vision. This is a little different. Like, I know it's physical aspect, but still, he had these hopes, goals, aspirations that he felt so strongly in. He believed in himself, yet people around him did not support him. If he had stopped, we wouldn't have a Michael Jordan. We wouldn't have a... A, a crazy baller, you know? Well, you may might have some other basketball player, but you get the point. Like, what I'm trying to say here is so many successful people who we now all look up to go through these phases of their lives where no one around them has faith in what they're going, like, what their goals are. And they don't see the same things that that individual does. And so to Cole's point, there has to be a point at which you might need to just accept that. Like, you you need to stop trying to convince other people and just go for it, you know? So it, it just makes me wonder, you know, all the things that you look at in your life where you stop pursuing it because someone tells you not to or, you know, you get discouraged because one person doesn't necessarily believe in it. What happens if you keep if you keep trying for it? What happens if you keep pursuing it even though it doesn't necessarily get the hype that you hope it to from everybody around you? And this is different than people not loving you and I keep saying support but I think it's different than like the full support. You can have somebody who thinks you're crazy but still supports you. They want to see you succeed, right? And if they want to see you succeed, then keep them around. If they don't want to see you succeed and they're hoping for your failure, well, maybe we should uh, reassess those relationships because obviously that's not good. But, you know, at some point you got to just start saying you, these other people, maybe they're lack of understanding and what my goals, hopes, and dreams are is because they just have never felt the same way, right? Um, but yeah, I just wanted to touch on that because I think that was a really great point that Cole brought up here. And then in the next piece here, um, we talked about it for a bit in the episode, but he talks a lot about that feeling of being lost after his divorce and after he left the uh, Mormon community. The way he put it to words was so spot on in a really weird way. He said, it almost feels like you get dropped off in this location where you don't know where you are, you don't know anyone, and you don't know who you yourself are. And I thought that was so, such a, such a fantastic way of putting it because his circumstances were obviously very different than a lot of people, but I think this is something that a lot of people struggle with right after they graduate college, you know, You've got all these people around you. You're living in this one great city, thriving on the fact that you're an adult, but you don't really have adult responsibilities. All of your best friends are just doorsteps away. Um, and, and you just feel like you have it all figured out. And then all of a sudden, graduation happens, and you're back at home with mom and dad. Or maybe you are in a new city, you know, living on your own. But you're stripped of all those relationships that you once had. You're stripped of all of the schedules and routines that you had going to class every day and participating in extracurriculars. And now you all of a sudden have these real responsibilities where your identity is no longer college student. You're now an adult with who knows what type of identity. Are you Are you going to be labeled by your career? Are you going to be labeled by the things you do outside of your job? Are you going to be labeled by the city you live in, right? There's all these different pieces at play that totally change who you are. So it can feel like you're very lost. Same with, you know, you change careers. This is down the road. You've been out of school for a while. Maybe you're in your 30s. You know, you decide, 
I'm not really interested in this career anymore. I'm going to do a total career shift. You go from healthcare into education. All of a sudden, who you were for the past 10 years defined by that healthcare. And we can say, I've said, don't define yourself by your job. I'm not saying to define yourself by your job. But it's that feeling of who you are. It's not a definition. It's just the feeling and what you're surrounded by on the day-to-day that all of a sudden change changes. And I think that's exactly what Cole was getting to at here with this piece about just feeling like this out-of-body experience where you don't know who what you're doing or who you are. You know, he spent the past two years married. He spent the past two years a part of a religious community that def- kind of defined who he was. He spent the last two years doing all of these things that seemed right for the moment. And then all of a sudden they all just went away. And that feeling, it's horrible. When you don't know who you are, you don't know how to behave, and you, and you lose that piece. And for him to be able to put it into words like that, I think it's just, it made me feel better because I know I've gone through that. Again, not the same situation, but I've felt those feelings. When you are you feel like you're just going through the motions and you're going through the day-to-day not knowing, well, what's next? What am I supposed to do? Who am I? It's amazing to me because it all comes full circle. I said at the beginning of the episode, and I'll say it again, he started off having these interests, these these hobbies. Can we just, speaking of, can we just talk about stack, this, the rock stacking? Like, isn't that wild? It is so wild to me. Like, that's why I said I felt rejuvenated. Because if this man can live his life by just stacking rocks, anything's possible. Anything is possible. I need a skill. Uh, anyways, okay, that's just a tangent. But, but... What I'm saying here is at the very beginning of the episode, he talked about he really enjoyed these things. He had these passions and hobbies for rock stacking and and climbing and outdoorsy stuff. And he went away from it for, you know, four or five years. And then he came back to it and he's thriving now. And it's that where it's that, you know, everything happens for a reason. He's, He's where he's meant to be. And I just love it. I love it. I love it. He stacks rocks. What do you do? What do you do? Tell me what you do. Like, it's funny. I joke about it, but it's really incredible. I really hope you guys check out the the information I put in the bio so you can check out his videos and stack rocking pictures because it's actually so impressive. But it's, it's so comical to me that we could sit here all day telling ourselves why something's not going to work or why we can't do something that we want to do. Yet this man has found stacking rocks to be his means for life (laughs) like that's just unbelievable so with that I hope you guys enjoyed the episode I hope you take this message and go seize the day grab the bull by its horns like I said follow just doing life on Instagram to get all of the greatest updates on the next episodes follow what now Megan on Instagram to just see my lovely face and every other crazy thing I post and I've also included all of Cole's information in the bio, so check that out. Um, and yeah, I hope it's a dandy day. I hope you have a zippity doo da day. <laughs> okay, bye.